Listen, I'm really sorry. I know you guys have been enjoying the random creepy stories I've been posting, but I need to talk about the test calls a little bit more. We don't talk about them much in control. Like I said, we treat them as a minor annoyance and try not to think about them too much. And, well, I've never mentioned it to Jack. I think he'd panic and ask me to quit. It's quite therapeutic to be able to talk about them on here, so thanks for giving me this outlet. Naomi spoke about them last night, and now I'm a bit worried. She's been working in control for six months, so she's still settling in. And I see my colleagues so much thanks to crappy night shifts and a shared sick sense of humor that they're practically family. But Naomi has always been a bit quieter. She nearly quit after her first test call, apparently, but they convinced her to stay. It was just the two of us in the kitchen at about two in the morning, and I'm one of those weirdos who can eat a cooked dinner at any time, so I was shoveling in microwave macaroni cheese into my mouth while she drank coffee. And let me tell you, you can't work in ambulance control if you don't like coffee. You'll need it for the night shifts. I've taken two test calls already tonight, she said out of nowhere. And from the way she said it, I think she expected me to be as freaked out as she looked. Literally, she looked like she'd seen a ghost. But I nodded and carried on eating. Our breaks are short and trust me. The last thing you want is to be giving CPR instructions, and all you can think about is how hungry you are. If you do this job, you eat when you can. Besides, two test calls in one night isn't anything to write home about. It's bad luck more than anything, in the same way that landing an uncomplicated birth call is good luck, and getting stuck on the line to Mr. Filton, who wants to talk about his stools in immense, uh, gruesome detail is very bad luck. What do you think would happen if we answered? Naomi asked quietly. And my heart just about stopped and the macaroni fell off my fork. We don't talk about the test calls, never mind the possibility of answering them. It would be bad. I said, hoping my tone made it clear I didn't want to get into a conversation. We'd disappear and never be heard from again. Oh, we don't want that, Naomi said, and she sounded so thoughtful and almost hopeful, and it was enough to tear me away from my dinner to stare at her. She just looked lost and thought, like she was actually considering answering the test call. No one's disappeared since either of us started, have they? Maybe it's just a prank. It'd be a sick prank, I muttered. I didn't like where this conversation was going at all, and I'm getting shivers just thinking about it now. They prank everyone. Naomi replied matter-of-factly. She has a point. After my first emergency call, for something simple like a broken leg, I think, 
The dispatcher came over and told me that the crew arrived and found the patient dead. They hadn't, of course, but I thought I'd killed someone on my first day. Like I said, sick sense of humor, it's pretty much mandatory. I didn't want to talk to her about it. The test calls creep me out more than I'd like to admit. And I deal with death on a daily basis. I've listened to people's last breaths and been the final person they've ever spoke to. I'm not a wimp, but it's unsettling. You do always have that little chill down your spine when you hear the beep in your ear of a new call coming in. And just in case it's a test call, your breath catches in your throat, your chest constricts, and that is constant. We can take upwards of a hundred calls per call handler in a 12-hour shift. That's a significant part of your day having a minor panic attack until you hear a human voice on the other end of the line. And I suddenly felt really sick after that. I think the conversation killed my appetite stone cold dead, so I chucked the rest of my dinner in the bin and left the kitchen. I didn't say another word to Naomi, even after she came back from the kitchen. The queasiness didn't pass, my stomach made an ungodly noise, and I came off a call just in time to throw up in the bin next to my desk. And that was the end of the shift for me. Will, the control manager for that evening, came over and told me in no uncertain terms to head home. Ambulance control isn't your average office. It's a gray-walled, windowless box where time ceases to exist. And if one person gets a bug, everyone gets it. And they don't take any chances with vomiting. And I've been sent home on a strict 48-hour exclusion period. Well... I didn't even acknowledge Naomi as I left. She pissed me off with all her test call talk, and I'm sure it's her fault that I threw up. I didn't feel queasy at all until she started talking about it. I got in the car and drove home at 3 in the morning, feeling like shit. I could have done with venting about it to Jack, but that would have involved waking him up and explaining the entire test call saga. I'm not ready to do that yet. So, that's where I am now, updating you all from my sickbed. Not a huge amount to report other than feeling like crap, and a weird colleague with an apparent death wish. Maybe the vomiting was fate intervening to save me from finishing the shift with Naomi. It would have been really awkward. I must have built up some good karma from all the calls I've taken. A stomach bug isn't my usual idea of good karma, but who are we to question fate? So far, I've been a model patient. I've quarantined myself from the rest of the world. I'm eating dry toast and keeping myself hydrated, and I haven't yet called 999. And that's more than can be said for most of the population. I'm not feeling as sick anymore, so I think it's just one of those 24-hour bugs and I'll be fighting fit and ready to start mentoring my newbie next week. But could the test calls be a prank? And I don't really want to take the risk and find out. But it fit in with the sick sense of humor they all have. 
Maybe they're waiting for one of us to answer the call and have a nervous breakdown. And then they'll burst out laughing and congratulate themselves on their epic prank. We'd have heard something in the news of people went missing. And they can't keep every single media outlet quiet, but what about the families? Surely they'd been putting posters up and all sorts. These test calls are the telecom operator checking the line. And when we don't answer, they assume there's a line fault. Yeah, it's the obvious explanation. I'm going to challenge James on it when I'm back at work. He did a great job of convincing me after my test call, so I'm going to really push him for answers. And let's see how long he lasts before he cracks. I want to tell them to keep an eye on Naomi. I know she's probably just curious about the test calls. It's natural. I still want to know what the deal is with them. But it's worrying when anyone considers answering them. I'll check who's scheduled to work with Naomi next and let them know what she is saying. Maybe they'll be able to take her aside and have a quick word. Anyway, I'll update all of you on what James says when I'm back at work. Edit. I've just read this back and realized I need to give you guys a trigger warning. There's talk about suicide and lots of swearing, and I'm really screwed up at the moment. Signed, Holly. Jesus Christ, Naomi. I was so happy this morning. Happier than I've been in a long time, especially considering it was half past six in the morning, and I just arrived at work for 12-hour day shift. The stomach bug finally passed, and I was ready to get back to work, ready to meet my newbie and get started with mentoring. I checked the rota and Naomi wasn't due to be in, so I wouldn't have to deal with that awkwardness either. I walked into the training room, full of joys of spring, to be greeted by what felt like a funeral. As soon as James told me that Naomi had disappeared, my heart fell into my boots. My brain was screaming. Of course she disappeared. Like I should have figured out this was likely going to happen, but I was just stunned. I thought she was stressed about the test calls and wanted to convince herself it was a prank. I didn't. Not in a million years. I think that she'd actually answer a call. Well... I wanted to believe it was a prank. I wanted to think it was just James and the older call handlers and dispatchers messing around with us newbies, seeing how long they could keep the joke going. But every single face in the room tells me it's true. There are call handlers who've been here longer than James, and they look crushed. This wasn't a joke. This was someone's life. Naomi had a husband and three kids. She had a little picture of them tucked between her ID badge and her access card. She showed it to me not long after she started. Three little cherub blonde babies. None of them were older than ten. And that's their mom that's gone missing. I took James aside a bit later, after everyone had dispersed and asked him about the families. I wasn't trying to catch him out anymore. 
I'm a card-carrying believer in the danger of these test calls after today. Believe me. But I needed to know what those kids are going to be told. And how do they explain it to Naomi's husband? Did she tell him about the test calls? James didn't know all the details, but he did tell me what he knew. The police told Naomi's husband that she'd purchased the train ticket to Eastbourne, and a body had been found at the foot of the cliffs on Beachy Head. And they were fairly certain it was Naomi's body. But they'd have to wait a while to formally identify her, because her body was damaged beyond recognition by the fall and the seawater. Apparently... That's what they tell all the families. They couldn't handle the stress of the job. They kept it all hidden from their families and friends, and one day, they just snapped. They boarded a bus or a train or a plane, traveled to a suicide spot and killed themselves in a way that rendered the body unrecognizable. I asked if they were going to investigate Naomi's disappearance. His look was answer enough. And what can they do to investigate? There's a blank spot in the call recordings, a spot where Naomi's line was engaged for a few seconds, but no telephone number, no call reference generated, nothing. No evidence left behind, and no trace of Naomi. The blank spot in the recording data is from midnight, on the night shift when she was acting weird. And we didn't have our break until 2 in the morning. By that point, she'd already answered the call. And I never heard anything out of the ordinary. But we don't tend to listen to other people's calls. We've got our own calls to be getting on with. But still, I feel so bad. I should have been more vigilant. I should have done something. And I hate feeling so helpless. When she was asking me if I thought it was a prank, she was looking for reassurance. Instead, I probably made her fears ten times worse. I wish I'd lied. Will did. I got about halfway through the shift and realized I couldn't focus, and I felt like shit and the guilt was weighing so heavily on my shoulders. And I poured it all out to Anna. How Naomi started talking about the test calls and I brushed her off and then had to go home. But she told me not to worry. I had no way of knowing that she'd taken a call. Apparently, after I went home, Naomi went to Will and told him what she'd done. He's had call handlers tell him the same thing before, so he knew what to do. He told her that it was all just a joke that she'd figured it out, and she had to keep it a secret from the rest of us because they wanted to keep the joke going for as long as possible. And I see why he did it. What good would telling her the truth have done? She would have panicked. Instead, she laughed along with Will, congratulated him on a good joke, and continued taking calls until the end of her shift. Will waved goodbye and started filling out the paperwork. And I asked why he didn't do something, why he didn't arrange for someone to be with her at all times. They've tried it before. 
The person goes to the toilet or falls asleep or even blinks and the call handler is gone. And that just makes the person tasked with watching them feel like crap. There's no cure or rescue. You just have to try and prevent it. Shit. Part of me wants to hand in my notice now and leave. Yeah, I mean, it's the sensible thing to do, isn't it? But I don't know. I just can't seem to convince myself. Most of the time, this job is great. Well, it was great. I helped deliver another baby two weeks ago, a little boy. He wasn't breathing when he was born, so I helped his dad to give CPR, and I listened to him take his first breath. And nothing compares to the sound of crying after such a hideous silence. And that's a rush. That's a thrill I've never got in any other job. And can I give that up? I mean, I'm sensible. I'm not like Naomi. I won't answer the call. Any doubt in my mind that it's all real is gone. It's real. A woman is missing, and no one is looking for her, so she's probably dead. And it's no joke. It's like James said, if we all leave, who's going to tell the newbies not to answer? Jesus, Naomi, why the fuck would you answer? After everything we've been told, even if you thought it was a joke, why take that risk? Those three poor kids are left without a mom. And her husband doesn't even know what's really happened to his wife. Oh, she deserved better than this. Anyway, they've delayed the start of mentoring. They said we need a few days to get our heads straight and come to terms with what has happened. We're not to talk to new call handlers about the test calls until they have one. Or, they're more likely to panic and make a mistake when one comes through. We hit mute, we keep them quiet, and then we explain. Quick, simple, effective. We tell them it isn't a joke. No matter what they've heard, it isn't a joke. And we tell them about Naomi, and we hammer it home that it has happened recently and it can happen again. They aren't invested in the job like we are. They don't know what thrill of bringing a newborn baby into the world or finding out that your CPR helps save someone's life. They don't have that desperate craving for the thrill of the next great call or the rush of adrenaline when you're someone's lifeline on the other end of the phone. If I were them, I'd run for the hills the second I found out. Anyway, I'm sorry for the rushed update, but I think I'm in shock. A few days ago, I was sat in the kitchen with Naomi, and now she's vanished without a trace, and her family thinks she killed herself, all because of a call she took. What if I make a mistake? What if I screw up? And then it's Jack and my parents getting the police out the door to say, I've thrown myself off a bridge or a cliff. And I wish it was like a movie, where I could suddenly pick myself up and investigate and bring her back. But it isn't going to work like that. 
she's gone. And even if I could investigate, where would I start? Well, I don't know what to do anymore. And I think I'm over my head. I need to get to the bottom of this. I've screwed up so badly. Everyone at work hates me. I hate myself, and they're right to. Poor Oliver. I only started mentoring him two days ago. He was good. A couple years older than me, not much experience in any kind of call center job, but he took to it quickly. And he really stood out in training, apparently. They said, we've got high hopes for this one, so train him right. As they brought him over to me. Yeah, no pressure there, right? He was good, though. Answered the calls politely. Got through the questions quickly. Reassured callers and ended the calls professionally. Great call taker. Great guy, too. Is friendly, funny. Perfect sense of humor for the job. Husband at home. He was telling me how they're hoping to adopt in the next couple of years, once they're settled in their new house. <sighs> but this can't be happening. Please hear me out. I know you'll probably come to the same conclusion as everyone at work, but I didn't do it on purpose. Something happened. Something I couldn't control. And now Oliver is missing. He answered a test call. The one thing I was supposed to do and I failed. I was supposed to keep him safe. I was meant to jump in, hit the mute button, and wait until it was over, and then explain it to him. I mean, it sounded so simple. I know I was panicking about it a few days ago, but once I met Oliver, I figured he's a clever guy, he'll get it, and I was determined to be extra vigilant after what happened with Naomi. But we were on night shift last night, and if this update is garbled or mixed up, I apologize. I'm writing it on next to no sleep in 24 hours and a lot of adrenaline. And it was all going good as normal. I was extra vigilant because a few of the other newbies had taken test calls successfully, so clearly we were having a high number of them. I heard the beep, and then there was this ear-piercing, horrific screeching noise. Unlike anything I've ever heard. Like someone screaming at the same time as metal being sheared apart. And it physically hurt. It was like someone had reached into my ear and was trying to drag my brain out through the tiny hole there. I ripped my headset off in agony and looked at Oliver, expecting him to be having the same reaction. And he gave me a weird look, like I was crazy. And he turned back to the screen. What was that? Sorry. A test call? He asked. It was like a gut punch. I felt nausea rise in my throat, and I swallowed hard to stop myself from throwing up. It felt like my heart skipped six beats in a row, and my breath caught in my throat and I grabbed Oliver's shoulder, shaking my head desperately. But it was too late. Um, okay, thank you, he murmured, clearing the line before turning to look at me. What the hell was that, Holly? 
and he looked more amused than angry, clearly thinking that my outburst had been some kind of practical joke to haze the newbies. And I couldn't speak. I just shook my head at him, glancing desperately at the other mentors for support. Alex, who was sat next to us, was already calling Anna over. She saw my expression and beckoned us both into a side room. She told Oliver it was a prank, and we'd both fallen for it. She explained the rumors about people disappearing, but told him it was just a code word we used for when people had quit. And he was pretty shaken by my outburst, so she told him to head home and forget about the rest of the night shift and she'd consider finding him a new mentor tomorrow. And this was when I knew that I was in deep shit. I tried my hardest to explain. I told her about the screeching noise in my ear, but I could tell she didn't believe me. And most of them know by now that I've been writing about these test calls, and after what happened with Naomi, I asked James so many questions. They think that I was curious and used Oliver as a way of finding out what would happen. Curious doesn't cover it. I'm totally freaked out about these test calls, but I promise that isn't what happened. And I need you to believe me when I say that because no one else does. My name is Mud at work. The only relief in all of this is that they haven't suspended or fired me and I guess it'd be easy for them to have done so, because right now, it looks like I've put the newbie I was supposed to be mentoring right in the firing line just to satisfy my own curiosity. But I would never, ever do that. They asked me what the voice said when Oliver replied to it, and they didn't ask him so as not to freak him out so much, and I told them I didn't know because I couldn't hear I'd taken my headset off as soon as that horrific noise came through. And I don't know if they believe me or not. They have CCTV in the control room. I just hope they could bring it up and show that I'm telling the truth. It's selfish of me to be trying to clear my name when Oliver may or may not have already disappeared without a trace. And I don't want to live in fear of these test calls anymore. I don't know if people are reading these stories and trolling me, but I got a text message the other day to my personal phone just saying, test call. I didn't reply, but the hell is going on? And I swear I'm hearing test call everywhere. Parking machines, the little speakers at the drive-thru, hell, even the radio. Part of me wants to answer one. I mean... What do I have to lose? I told Jack everything about Oliver and the test call and the Reddit posts, and he took the same view as the others. Was it just my curiosity? Did I deliberately let him answer to see what would happen? He doesn't even want to look at me at the moment. He's thinking about moving in with some friends for a while. I've lost my boyfriend and my friends, and I'm going insane. And it feels like the universe is telling me something. That I'm supposed to answer a test call. Huh. 
and I wonder, is this how Naomi felt? Like something was pulling her towards that decision to answer. Or was it just bad luck like Oliver? Bad luck that the call came to him. Bad luck that my headset malfunctioned. Bad luck that even when I realized it was a test call, I didn't put it on mute. Shit. I didn't even try to save him. It was probably already too late. He had already answered, but still, I didn't react. I grabbed him and tried to tell him not to, but I didn't do anything practical to stop him. I didn't warn him when I could have done it all along. I didn't explain why two of his fellow newbies went home in tears and didn't come back to work again after having test calls explained to them and deciding they couldn't cope with the stress. And even now, I'm sitting here in my room, and I could be outside Oliver's house waiting to see him leave or catching whoever tries to sneak him and take him away. I could be maintaining constant contact to pinpoint the exact moment he disappears, but I'm not, because in a sick, twisted, disgusting way, I need to see how this all plays out. And there's only one way to know for sure. This might be my last post, and I have no idea what happens next. I have a night shift tonight, and my decision is clear. Thank you for the support, the reassurance, and the encouragement, Reddit. I have to answer the test call. It's all okay. The call came through at the beginning of my night shift, so I wasn't spending the entire time waiting for it. I heard the beep in my ear. The, this is a test call. And I knew what I had to do. Hello? I didn't know what to expect next. I didn't get to hear what Oliver heard when he answered. So this was almost exciting. Test call passed. Commencing stage one. It was a bit of an anticlimax, really. I'd expected something menacing or threatening, a growling voice or something like that. The same cold, computerized voice, just saying something different. And I didn't tell anyone I'd answer the call. After the situation with Oliver, I doubt any of them would care. They'd probably celebrate. And this was one of the main reasons I answered the call, after all. I walked in for my shift, and everyone was just glaring at me. I did overhear a little more information about Oliver during the night. Anna was the control manager again, and she was telling the dispatchers that Oliver's husband had seemed completely uninterested in his disappearance. For all he'd been telling me about their happy marriage and hopes for adoption, Oliver's husband was under the impression that they were going to divorce after an acrimonious separation. And it turns out a similar thing happened with Naomi. She told her husband that she was cheating on him and walked out on him and their kids just before she answered the test call, leading everyone in their family to turn their backs on her. And that struck me as weird. Naomi loved her kids and would have done anything for them. And I know you can never be certain, 
But she doesn't strike me as the sort to cheat either. It's weird. And then there's me. And my fight with Jack. He's with his parents now and I don't think he'll be coming back. Even if nothing comes of this whole test call situation. Maybe I'm paranoid, but this whole situation is so weird. It's like we're being isolated deliberately. I feel like something wanted me to answer that call. And that's why my headset went crazy on Oliver's call. It needed to alienate me from everyone for whatever happens in stage one. But nothing has happened yet, by the way. And I'm at home 12 hours after taking the call, and haven't disappeared without a trace as far as I can see. No murderers lurking outside, no masked kidnappers hiding in the bushes. I have a bit of a headache, and a weird sound in my ears. A beeping sound every now and then. But that isn't unusual after a long shift. And like I said before, sometimes you wake up asking, What's the address of the emergency? because you're convinced you just heard the beep in your ears. And part of me thinks it's all rubbish. Oliver couldn't handle the job and quit, and Naomi really did get on a train to Beachy Head and killed herself. Hell, she was stressed, especially if there was this whole thing going on with her husband. And I don't have Oliver on any social media, so I can't see if he's posted anything since taking the call. At the end of the day, the police weren't interested. They just gave a half explanation to the families and didn't bother investigating. My colleagues treated it like a matter, of course. People answer the calls and they die. And no one had any answers, and no one seemed interested in looking for them. This was my only route of investigation. Not that I feel like much of an investigator right now. I didn't answer that call to find out what happened to Naomi or Oliver. I answered it to find out what would happen to me. And so far, I'm underwhelmed. This headache, though, is getting bad. I think it's a migraine brewing, to be honest. The light hurts my eyes, and every sound makes it throb. I'm already a little on edge, so... This isn't helping. Look, just in case this is the start of something bad, I have to confess something. Those of you who private messaged me asking me to confirm, OOC, that the test calls weren't real, I lied. I didn't want you to freak out. Some of you were really panicking. And I wasn't sure myself that they were real at that point, so I lied. I told you they weren't real, and I'm sorry. They are real. Those of you who said you've had your door intercom or a phone call say, This is a test call. Please, please be careful. And I'm so sorry if this is my fault. If I've drawn them to you. I've never wanted any of this. And I thought I was just sharing creepy stories. I just wanted to get involved in no sleep. And now I realize I may have drawn their attention to you all. And I've put you all at risk. So 
I'm very sorry. Shit. None of this was supposed to happen. Please, don't let it spread any further. Don't tell people. Don't let other people know about this. And I probably shouldn't be narrating this, but I needed to let you know. I needed to warn you. Fuck, my head. God, it hurts so much. Is this what happens? Am I going to just disappear or am I going to die? No one would find me. Jack has no reason to come back to the house. No family to speak of. My colleagues don't care. I'll never be found and the cycle will carry on. We all have to answer the call eventually. The curiosity becomes too great. You're left with nothing left to stick around for. If they want you to answer the call, you'll answer. They'll strip you of everything you have until the only way out is to answer. Answering isn't the bad thing. This is not Holly. Please, wake up. I'll be fine. Everything is going to be fine. Don't answer. Please, don't answer. I'll update again tomorrow, Reddit. And what will we be on by then? Part 13 or something? And let you know if this headache comes to anything. And honestly, I think I'm going to be fine. I'm strong. And I won't let this beat me. Help me. Please, help me. I'm fine. This is a test call. Test call passed. Commencing. Stage 1.